You're listening to Work Tape, episode 29. Good day, everyone. Welcome to Work Tape. I'm your host, Isaac Grover, and with us is Christina Lafferty, and we're going to talk about crazy stuff in music. How are you doing, Christina? I am doing good. A little tired today, a little foggy because I'm on a caffeine withdrawal, but I'm good. <laughs> Your weekend was good? Yeah. Yeah. I was just really busy. Solid. Same here. Uh, do, you, do you drive a lot? Yeah. Yeah. I'm constantly driving because of working. I drive to all of my students' houses. And so I would say like, I don't know, one fourth of my time at work is driving rather than teaching. Really? Okay. So you do a lot of commuting. Like you actually go to your students' houses versus them typically going to you? Yeah, that's correct. I don't have anyone come to me. Eventually I will. Eventually I'll uh, transition into that. But people are very, you're going to get a whole lot more lessons going to people's houses than having people come to you, honestly. Oh, so this is actually part of your strategy. Like this is something you actively do to actually get you more people. Okay, got it. So you've been doing this for a while? Yeah. I mean, at first, when I was first teaching, I worked for um, a stu- like a physical studio. So I was there all day and the students went to the studio. My own personal students I went to, I had maybe one that came to me, but the studio I work through now is not a physical studio. It's just kind of like, it's a studio, but all the teachers drive to their lessons. And as I picked up lessons on my own outside of the studio, I just continued driving. And yeah, really for right now, it is a good strategy. I'm actually like a little worried about transitioning in the future because I don't know how many students I'll lose, but I don't have to worry about that right now. That's for the future. So if you had it your way, would you rather travel to them or would you rather them come to you? I'd much rather them come to me. I could fit In theory, if I had a lot of lessons coming to me, I could fit way more because I don't have to spend a half hour driving. That half hour could be filled with another lesson. Wow. How many hours average in a day would you typically drive? Um, two. Yeah, I would say two, depending on the day. Sometimes more when I'm having to commute to the east side of Phoenix, it's, um, four hours probably. So two is a low average daily. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Two are for my days where I'm working in Phoenix because I live in Phoenix. Um, Yeah. Most days it would be a lot more on the days where I'm traveling a little bit further. It's a lot of driving. That is a lot of driving. I mean, how would you fare with maybe doing remote lessons? You you do that, right? Uh, Online? Yeah. I don't like them. I think um, very few students actually do well online. I don't do well teaching online. I don't, um, it's not the same experience. I do have one student who's still online. She happens to do well. (laughs) Otherwise, she wouldn't have stayed online for this long. But she's an exceptional situation. Like this is not typical at all for you. Exactly. And not preferable either. Not preferable at all. No. Um, in fact, when I was, well, we, we all went remote over COVID, 
And at first I'm like, oh, this is sick. I can fit so many lessons. I don't have to drive at all. So I enjoyed aspects of it, but really it was not the same experience. So if I'm going to choose which one is the better option, it would be in person for sure. Okay. If you were to rank it, it would be in person at your place. Second is travel to the person and alas is definitely remote. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I do also eventually want to have my own studio space um, rather than them coming to my home. Not that I, I mean, whether it's my home or a studio space doesn't really matter, but there's something just kind of prestigious about having your own studio space. You're <laughs> like, oh, welcome. Welcome to Christina Lafferty Music Studio. <laughs> hey, man, I'll, I'll help you with the branding. I mean, that's something that is not a lofty goal, in my opinion, despite the work that it takes to kind of do your own thing. Right. Because a lot of us, I mean, I'm not renting out a studio here. I mean, that's why I do this at home. And so mm-hmm. if I went to somewhere else, I would be having to pay maybe 100 sometimes 200 an hour. I mean, I know those are big prices to some people, but if you really want professional stuff done, you have to pay professional prices. And so right. I do right. think it's not a bad decision if someone said, well, fine, I'll do it myself. Like, yeah, you should. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, doesn't it cost a lot? I mean, <laughs> investing in, in yourself is always going to cost a considerable amount of money. But I think investing in yourself is a better route than investing in someone else's stuff to get to invest in yourself. It's kind of a, a weird chain. So I think the smaller the chain, the better. There are some situations where it's much better to go through someone who knows what they're doing. Sure. But I'd say if you are an aspiring podcast host or if you are an aspiring artist, and you actually have a sense of what you're doing, then I would definitely recommend investing in your own equipment and trying to basically do a lot of it yourself because you kind of have to. Mm-hmm. And you can't, I don't think you can always justify paying everyone for things, especially when you don't have mom and dad's money. So I'm just saying, right. well, not everyone has that. Exactly. Well, and when it comes to being self employed, I mean, it is a lot of work. It takes a long time. I think as long as you're aware of that, it's fine. Like, I mean, I was just talking to my brother the other day. I think it was my brother. Maybe it was someone else. But it's take, no, it was my brother. It's taken six years of teaching to finally be at the point where this May I'm able to quit the studio I go through and fully be on my own. Six years. And I mean, it wasn't the goal all along to go on my own. So it's not like I was impatient the whole time. Some people would be impatient the whole time. Normally I would be, (laughs) but because that wasn't from the beginning, my goal, it wasn't something I was thinking about. And it's only over the past few years where I'm like, oh, sweet. I should start trying to go on my own. Yes. I mean, took six years. It took probably a year, maybe six months to even have only lessons be the thing that I was able to rely on for income. So, I mean, that's actually pretty quick. Not everyone grows their studio that quickly, but yeah, people really have to know, like, if you're going to be self-employed, it is hard work. Investing in yourself takes time. I think it takes several years for a business to even be profitable. Lucky for me, I have ways to make it profitable right now. Like, driving to people's houses rather than starting at my own place or, 
trying to get in a studio space right away. That would make it a lot harder. That's something I can plan out a little more and therefore be profitable far earlier. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you made a necessary point is that it does typically take several years to transition from being a customer to being the producer, so to speak, mm-hmm. which is the exact same thing that happened with me um, living in LA and, you know, it was expensive and I didn't really know what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> and then several years later, you know, I was able to kind of afford my own thing and, and even do my own thing, but I had to learn production. I had to learn what equipment to get. I had to learn how to use it because mm. I've always been a songwriter, but it sucked when you could play an instrument and you could write a song, but you didn't have a studio to produce. Yeah. And it's, exp- you know, it, it it is expensive. I don't think it's expensive if you have the means to do it. I don't, and I don't think, I'm not at all saying that it's not worth the prices. I think it's worth it. I think there are people who, you know, 200, 300 an hour, like whatever. I think, I think it absolutely is worth it depending on what your needs are. Mm-hmm. But I will say this, if you're not willing to pay those prices, then you got to do the work yourself. Right. And even if you can't, maybe you can't pay the prices like, well, I want to, but I can't. Okay, well, then you got to do it yourself then. Like it's yeah. it's either whether you want to or you don't want to or you can't, then you you do your own thing. You got to figure it out. And and sometimes putting in the work means you have to do it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I was dating a guy last year who he like used free recording software and different stuff like that to record music. And, um, he did pretty dang well on his own. Like if you have an ear for it, if you're willing to teach yourself Google stuff like that, and he may have had a tiny bit of training, but I don't know how much he actually had, but yeah, if you're willing to put in the work to do something yourself, to teach yourself something, the internet is a huge wealth of information. YouTube is a huge wealth of information. You can do pretty well on your own just even by like trying it, you know, trying and failing, trying and all of a sudden succeeding. And yeah. I think people like that who do it and it works out well, I think they've always had that knack. I think they have a natural talent for it, for sure. That's what I think. I mean, I'm still pretty optimistic. I like to say anyone can learn anything, but at the same I don't, token, I don't, I, I don't really fully. No, anything. I was going to say I don't really fully <laughs> believe that anymore. But you know, that optimism kind of comes mostly. in, and I, yeah, I think it's for the most part, uh, yeah, learnable. But maybe I think maybe I'm going to refine this. What I really mean is. Anyone can learn anything, but not everyone can learn that same thing as well as someone who has like a total natural knack for it. 100%. And that was his thing. He had like a good sense of what to do because he's a musician. Most people who aren't musicians are going to be good, you know, at recording stuff. You right, have that's, to have that's an okay. Ear. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. We need them. Non-musicians? Yeah, totally. We need people who... who for the um, recording process? Well... People who are intuitive with music, but they don't have to be musicians. Just someone who is able to direct the process. There are a lot of really good producers out there who don't know how to play, but they're really good at organizing the project. Interesting. That's kind of what right. I'm saying. Like, as long as you have an ear, you should do something sure. in audio. Oh, okay, that's fair. That's yeah. kind of what I was saying. But it doesn't mean that they don't know what they're doing. Like, I mean, you okay. don't want to, you don't want to, <laughs> you don't want to hire Emerald. 
to like do this stuff when he probably wants to do cooking or Rachel Ray. I mean, maybe they're musical. I don't know that. They could be. You know, I just watched a video yesterday of uh, Chris Evans, who played Captain America, playing a song on the piano. And I was like, oh, my gosh, he was he was good. Okay. so, you know, main thing is acting, but apparently he can also play piano. Sometimes they surprise you. It's so interesting. That's really cool that you were in the same boat. You know, we had to do it. We are DIYers. We did it ourselves. Oh, yeah. Yep. And you really have to be in order to be self-employed. You have to have that sort of, um, you have to have a willingness to do it yourself. You have to, I think for me, it really just goes along with the territory of being a libertarian. (laughs) <laughs> where I'm like, everyone like, get off my lawn, the government, get your hands out of my pocketbook. I'm going to do this all myself. Fine, I'll pay you taxes, even though taxation is theft. JK, um, <laughs> I don't fully believe that. Not re- not really. <laughs> to a point, but not fully. But anyway. Agreed. Yeah, like, obviously I'll pay my taxes. But yeah, like. Yes, we'll pay our taxes. We we, <laughs> we um don't shut us down, government. We pay. We um, but yeah, like you have to have that kind of willingness to not rely on other people. If you find people you can rely on and help you through the process, that's awesome. But you have to have a willingness to be able to do without that. So on that. I agree. You should have a willingness to do on it. And then before you said that working with people who also might benefit, you know, what you're doing, I think it's probably the most ideal if you can work with people, not necessarily saying you have to co like own the same place. Like, yeah, you know, you guys have your own lives. But if, for instance, if you're a vocal coach, but then they teach piano and whatever they, you know, if you guys, if it works well with the other person, mm-hmm. I think it really is good to do that because it benefits both people totally. Oh, I absolutely agree. I think that um, that's so good for networking too. Like maybe you're not even working together. You each have your own studio, but then you're able to refer students to each other. Yeah, that's very helpful. But that's crazy. You you you've done it yourself as a as a businesswoman, but more so a a teacher. You know, you're you're do it yourself teacher, and and you wanted to do your own work. And I think that's really cool that you put in the years, a lot of time and effort to make it happen. And so it's really cool. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping the transitioning continues to go smoothly. Yeah, thank you. But the other reason why we were talking today, which I knew we were going to get into, we were going to talk about more avant-garde, off-kilter voices. Yeah. Now, I first, obviously, we'll get to the ones that you have in mind. I'm really curious because I showed you everything, everything. Jonathan Higgs, the lead singer, EE, Everything, Everything, have been a band for probably, I think they've been a band since like 2007. So, okay. Probably, so around what, 15 years now? Yeah, 15 years. And they released their debut album in 2010. And since then, they've had, I believe, five albums. And I think their sixth album is due March this year. Okay. Yeah. The last one was, um, what was it called? It was called, oh, the last album was called Reanimator. That was from 2020. And then the one before that was A Fever Dream from 2017. So what did you think about Jonathan's style? What did you think about the band? 
they're good. They're really interesting. I like bands like that, like Yes, Rush, like right, that unconventional, are just, right? Yeah, yeah, unconventional. There's another band called Alt J that I really like, who are super unconventional. So EE and Alt J from the same era, the 2010s. Those two were bands that were really odd and kind of weird, but they just did their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I really enjoy that because it doesn't sound like everything else going on. Sometimes I like music just because it's different. And then the more I listen to it, I'm like, oh, you know, I don't actually like this. But sometimes it just like legitimately, I'm like, wow, I like this because it's different. And I like it just because it sounds good. So yeah, his voice too, like he reminds me of someone and I cannot put my finger on who his voice reminds me of. Oh, do you mean Jonathan Higgs? Mm-hmm. Um, but he has a pretty like decent voice and it's not in general weird, but the way he uses it is weird, like something he does. And this reminds me a little bit of the dude from Maroon 5. Oh, you're right. The falsetto, the head. Yeah, the head voice. Head voices for females? Head voices for both. Both have head voice, but only men have falsetto. Um, And there's a slight difference between head voice in men and falsetto in men. I don't quite know how to explain it. So I think he was more head voice than falsetto, but it doesn't really matter. It kind of sounds the same. And I could be wrong anyway. It could be the opposite. Yeah, something I noticed about him is that he was able to transition from like his head voice to his mixed voice really well. And that kind of had to do with how hard he was pressing his voice on certain words. But yeah, he kind of does that thing a lot, which really is what makes him sound different, like unconventional. Because you don't hear a lot of guys doing that. Maroon 5, the guy from Maroon 5 was really the big one to do stuff like that. Unless we go back to like the 70s or 80s, like with Michael Jackson and the Bee Gees. Back then it was a little more common. But now it's not. Was Um, Adam Levine, was it him? Adam Levine, yes, that's him. Um, Wait, Adam Levine. Oh, it is Adam Levine. Hello. Okay, good. (laughs) You were right. You were right. like, oh, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not too embarrassed if I don't know someone, but I was like, darn it, I really wanted to know that one. Yeah. Well, it just makes you sound like super knowledgeable anyway, you know? (laughs) It's a perception of knowledgeable, of which I'm not. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the big thing that makes him really kind of unconventional sounding. His voice is kind of like, it's almost a little aggressive's not the right word, but just kind of pushed like a really forward push sound. But yeah, he was good. I liked him. Really interesting the way he used his voice. Yeah, I, I kind of, um, I really got turned on to John's style the more. I mean, they're a band that get better the more you listen to them. I feel like first listen, they're really difficult. To be fair, a lot of my favorite bands I didn't like first listen. That makes sense. Pixies was one of them. In fact, I'd like to go over Frank Black because he's one of my favorite frontmen as well. He's not necessarily a good singer. I just like the style. Like, again, it's the Kurt Cobain. It's mm-hmm. you're just screaming. Even though Kurt kind of screamed, Frank Black really screams. He likes to scream in his songs and he likes to be, he likes to talk, sing a little bit like uh, Bob Dylan. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. But with John, John is like a culmination of 
Tom York from Radiohead, a culmination oh, of yeah, yeah. Chris Martin from Coldplay. And yes, right. And then a ton of other stuff because John almost sounds like he is influenced by classical music too. I mean, it sounds like he's both influenced by jazz, but also okay. by almost like opera singers, the way he sings. Not in the, the traditional sense, but it sounds like he he kind of does things in his own way. I guess it's almost like he's bastardizing in a way. No offense. Um, oh, uh, no, you're fine. A classical style. Not like butchering it, but he knows what he's doing. It's hard to explain what I'm trying to convey. Oh, you're good. It reminded me of like the pentatonics. Remember when pentatonics was huge? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so everything, everything. They like to do a lot of acapella stuff. Mm-hmm. And they like to weave that into their pop rock. It's progressive pop. So I always liked EE for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed them. Their uh the musicality was really interesting, what they were doing. It was cool. Cool. I liked it. Well, I was hoping you'd like something that sounded a little more refreshing. Yeah. I always love stuff that's different. Even if I don't like it, I like to hear it. Or like even if I'm like, eh, it's not my thing. I like to hear it because I tend to just listen to the same things over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, which is fine. But sometimes you need something new, different. (laughs) So. Well, who are some artists that you would say that are different to you that you like? Like the weirdest singers that you listen to that you really enjoy. So you can dissect that as well if you want. And we can even prolong this to another episode. Gosh, the weirdest singers that I like that I'm actually good on listening to um, someone who's super weird is Getty Lee, but I love Oh my gosh, such a him. great example. Such yeah. a great example. I love the way he just moves and interweaves his voice in the songs. I, I, I like it. And I could totally get, I, I think, okay, so that's actually a really good parallel to John because John is kind of like that. I mean, I'm not saying they're yeah. in the same category, but they both have a voice I feel Tons of people would be like, no, this is not it. That's so true. But then like those who like rush and everything, everything like, oh my gosh, like you are missing out. Yes. Getty Lee, he just like, he just goes for it. You know, like he just sounds like he does not care. And he does. They're very like intelligent musicians. They really care about their fans, what their fans think. They were never about um, commercialism. They were always about doing what their fans enjoyed. And yeah, he just sounds like he just goes for it. And I love everything about it. Getty is the ultimate artist for that reason. He he yeah. is the definition of what an artist is. He doesn't claim to be the best. He doesn't claim to know everything. He just does it. And when he does it, he does what he does very well. He stays yeah. in his own lane while also pushing boundaries. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's definitely true. He's so talented. He's a great bass player. He's like my favorite bass player. I have no issues with you there. Yeah, he's he's so good. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy him. He's not one that I liked at first. I liked Rush. No, in because general. they get better with age. Like these are the yeah. guys that you listen, guys and women that you're like, eh, I'm not big on it. But then like a year later, you're like, oh my gosh, like I've been missing out my whole life on this. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to think of some unconventional like female singers. Kate Bush? I don't listen to Kate Bush. I have listened to her. Is she the one who sings kind of high? I believe so. 
But Kate Bush is a pretty controversial artist because you either love her or you hate her. Yes. Yes. That's I've true. heard like either people love her and they fawn after her or they cannot stand her. And they're like, uh-uh, I don't like Kate Bush. I believe that. And honestly, I'm kind of in the middle. I don't really listen to her, but I like what she's doing. I really like that she was pretty different for what she was doing during that time, during her heyday in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. I remember her not being my thing, but I didn't feel like I despised her or anything. I'd have to listen to her again, though. Someone who was kind of different actually was um, Joan Baez. I mean, she did the folk thing. That was pretty conventional for her time. But she sang so much higher than all the other girls sang. And her voice was a little more classically inspired. She had that crazy vibrato. And with her, it's like, I want to like her so bad. And I do. But it really depends on the song. Ah, I thought you'd have a bias for her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it goes a little... Sorry, I'm laughing about <laughs> Delayed that. laughter. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> like, I got it right away, but it I know, but then you're like, kind of like, oh, is this funny? Oh, okay. It's kind of, no, it's kind of yeah, bad, it but got it's funny. funnier as it went along <laughs> in my brain. I'm like, oh, that's really good. That was clever. Um, anyway, yeah, she, I like her, but it really depends on the song. Her vocal style goes a little too far for me on some of her songs, but, oh, she does this version of, um, uh, Virgin Mary had one son. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Ooh something like that. Um, yeah, I like her on that song. She has a live version of the song that I heard, and it's like hmm. the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life. But on other songs, I'm like, eh. you know what I don't like about her? And this is just a personal thing. When she sang duets with Bob Dylan, she always sang the harmony, but she was like pressing so loudly to be heard. So it didn't blend very well. She didn't, yeah, she did not blend well with Bob Dylan. To be fair, it's hard to blend with Bob Dylan, but... Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. I, I, that was a good catch. You're right. It is kind of hard to blend with someone like that. But she didn't even try. Like, with her, it's like, I'm Joan Baez, and this is how I'm going to sing. And I'm, I can respect that. <laughs> she knows she's good, but... You know, yeah, that's something I didn't enjoy about her. But she's okay. kind of in a sort of unconventional female singer that I would like. Yeah, I mean, we can squeeze in another one another time because I know we're kind of short for time. Yeah. Next episode, we're going to have Garrison. And then okay. after we have Garrison, we'll have you for the episode after that. So cool. that'll be great. But I, I, I know it's funny because we wanted to talk mostly about the voices. We'll probably have to do that the next episode we have you. Cool. I can be listening to some artists to like prep for it. Yeah, that'd be great. I think it'd be yeah. great. Perfect. But yeah, again, thanks for being on here. It's always like a pleasure, you know, love it. Yep. Thank you for having me. Dude, many more episodes to come. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and more business stuff in the future because we know that's very practical for our listeners. Yes. Very, very important. But yeah, you guys all have a great day. And Christina, I'll be with you another time. All right. Sounds good. So... We'll be back with you with unconventional voices and whatnot. And next episode, we will be meeting Garrison. So everyone have a great day and goodbye. <laughs>